0: Hello, and welcome to the Heart of Equity podcast from the Heartland Chapter of the National Association of Health Services Executives, also known as NACI. I'm your host, Pleasant Bradford Jr. I am a health equity professional, a healthcare leader, and a member of the NASI Heartland Chapter. The American Medical Association defines health equity as optimal health for all. More specifically, health equity means that everyone has the chance to be healthy, access health services, and minimize their risk for chronic conditions. But you can't achieve that goal of optimal health if you're living in an unsafe community. And one of the risks is a run-in with police. Today, we're discussing relationships between Black people, health equity, and law enforcement. For this conversation, we're talking to Jazz Hampton co-founder, CEO, and general counsel for a Black-owned, Minnesota-based company named TurnSignal. The company has built an app that connects drivers with legal counsel and recording services during traffic stops with law enforcement. Before we get started, we'd like to thank Care Content, our partner for producing this podcast. Care Content is a full service digital marketing agency that helps healthcare organizations create a web presence that reaches their audiences. If your health system needs help with digital marketing, website redesigns, or social media, please visit carecontent.com. Now, let's turn to Jazz Hampton to discuss this important topic. Welcome, Jazz, to the Heart of Equity podcast. How are you doing today? I appreciate it, Pleasant. Thanks for having me today. I'm I'm thrilled to to have a conversation. Well, I always like to start out with a personal journey question. As you know, the statistics about police brutality in the Black community continue to be sobering. Black drivers are 20% more likely to be pulled over by police compared to white drivers, and Black people are more than twice as likely to be shot and killed by the police as white people. Do you remember the moment you personally decided to do something about this?
1: Yeah, I remember the moment the moment that I knew that I had to do something. I didn't know what yet, um, and I didn't know how soon it would be. It turned out to be many years later, but uh, I was pulled over once on my way to college. I was going to meet with the University of St. Thomas, the school I ended up going to, the, the football coach. Uh, I was going to meet him. I was pulled over. I was on my dad's Escalade, which had 20-inch rims, and the woman that pulled me over walked up to the car, and she said, um, this was about this maybe the seventh time I had been pulled over in my life at the age of 17, and she said, hey, um, I see you don't have a, a record, a history of, of, of any tickets. I'm not going to give you your first ticket today. It's not often I see a person from the inner city without a record, uh, but just know you're going to get pulled over every time in this car, so slow down. And the thing about that interaction is she was genuinely trying to be helpful like she left that interaction thinking like wow i really put him on i helped jazz out today but what she didn't know is it was planting of what was already evident to me but really cementing the the knowledge that because of the way i look my interaction with law enforcement will forever be different or for the at least near future will be different um and that was a moment i was like wow this is going to be something that I have to be a part of long-term. I didn't know how or when or, or exactly what form that would take, but that was the first indication. And, you know, you know, today I've been pulled over 12 times in my life and I'm yet to receive a ticket. I've never received a ticket before. I've never been cited for any moving violation. I've never had any legal matters coming from those pullovers, but I knew that it would be the start of a what would be a very long journey to where we are today.
0: Yeah. Your story just highlights the fact that you as a black man are being pulled over more than our white counterparts and that's the that's the frustrating reality that we're dealing with and that's what we're talking about today. To follow up that question, as you know, healthcare and safety are informally regarded as basics for equity. Many people may not see the connection between the two. And so the question I have is, how do you see the connection between the inequities and safety and health being related?
1: Yeah, there's about 50 different ways. But the, the first that come to mind for me is, first, uh, we know that, that traumatic events can literally change the DNA structure of individuals over the course of generations of, of generational trauma. We know that your zip code is a better indication of your health outcomes than your genetic code. Right, uh, these are based on inequities that we see every day, whether it's from healthcare and beyond. And so we know that people of color, especially especially Black folks, are having real troubles in the healthcare space as it connects to actual trauma they're experiencing in the real world. Turn signal, one of our first partnerships was with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. We partnered with them to provide turn signal to members of the community because they identified racism as a public health crisis. Right. So these are opportunities for us to look at the connection between disparities, inequities, racism, and say, we know that it's affecting health. Now let's start working towards the solution to reverse that trend.
0: We're seeing a lot more healthcare companies, as you mentioned, stand up to say racism is a a public health crisis. We know at the state of Minnesota, at the legislature, they did announce that in 2020. And so that's encouraging to see that the connection is continuing to be made between health care and safety. Well, Dr. Alita Maybank, someone whom I admire, is the chief health equity officer at the American Medical Association, and I just want to pull up a quote that she said as relates to police violence being a public health issue. She said, and I quote, "If death and injury are outcomes of any disease, we in the health space have a responsibility to understand why." and to act. How would you like to see more DE&I or health equity officers working with solutions like yours to address police violence?
1: Yeah, you know, I think there's a real good opportunity to work on these core issues because there isn't much in the space. There isn't anything addressing. Uh, of course, there's things directly on mental health. There's things Uh, related to uh, how people of color are having additional stress in their lives. But what are we doing directly at the core of what in 2020, unfortunately, became the largest conversation happening across our country of being inequities in these police interactions? Uh, Not only the, the safety of those drivers in the moment, but how are we dealing with their mental health after the fact as well, right? Both of these are really important factors because they might not lose their life in that interaction. But it might dramatically alter their life it might lead to them losing their job which le- loses income for their family which continues in the spiral of mental health trauma right and so what we can do is start addressing the very root of those issues start addressing those interactions as they're happening uh, i always say if we're struggling to legislate then we have to innovate we have to find ways to attack at the root of that problem so that that tree won't grow in the first place and that's what i think is really important and, and businesses have a unique opportunity to do that um, in June of 2020, every business in, in the world and especially in Minnesota and beyond was saying, hey, we're, we're here. We want to be a part of the solution. We want to bridge this gap. We want to employ more diversity. We have these diversity goals of new hiring. That's really great. I loved every one of those statements. How are we doing? it? Right. And so let's start saying uh, when we bring in these more diverse folks, uh, we forget the I of DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion. How are they feeling included when they're here? Uh, my, my dad was my football coach growing up. He used to say, if you do the same thing, don't expect different results. What are we doing differently? And so this is a great opportunity for those DEI directors. Uh, so many of them, which were placed in the summer of 2020 can start saying, okay, here's a new solution that I found that can make people feel more inclusive, that can make them more healthy, that can lower our premiums on our medical coverage, right? There's so many opportunities. Uh, it's not just turn signal. It's not just one. There's a a plethora of ways that they can start attacking that directly at the root.
0: Absolutely. And you, you made reference to 2020, it was a, almost a watershed moment on an international level, and especially here at the state of Minnesota. The question I have is, in response to police violence, especially in the wake of the murder of George Floyd in 2020, we know that many communities held marches and protests to draw awareness to the issue of police violence and police brutality. You decided a tech solution would draw awareness to the issue. How did you make that decision? I co-founded it, uh, and my two co-founders still to this
1: day are Dre and Mike. You know, one, we were three Black men in Minneapolis, the, the place that in 2020 became the epicenter from a new call for social change. And what yes. I always said is like, yeah, I went to every one of those visuals. I went and held the candles. I went to the to the peaceful marches. I was at every one. My wife and I were on the bridge when that semi rolled through on 35W. I was at all of them. But if there's a critical mass of awareness, right, uh, and everyone knows the name George Floyd across the country, that's great. That's step one. Step two is now what do we do with the awareness? Now what solution are we building? And I still felt like I was standing in a vast area of emptiness with no one building a solution directly for what we were marching for, right? And so uh, myself, Andre, and Mike, all queer corporate jobs. I was a an adjunct law professor. I was representing Fortune 15 companies and their litigation needs at my law firm. I was the director of diversity, equity, inclusion at that law firm. And I left all of those jobs and as did Dre and Mike to start turn signal so we could really build a solution that people could have in their hands every day. Again, if we are struggling to de-escalate these interactions, then we had to build something to do just that.
0: One of the most critical ways you can help promote health equity is to make sure your health system is doing business with Black-owned companies. This creates career opportunities, builds generational wealth, and allows us to control our own resources. For our Buy Black Vendor Spotlight, we'd like to highlight Capture Developmental and Community Services, also called Capture DCS. This center is based in Omaha, Nebraska, and it's a safe, encouraging space where individuals with developmental delays can learn life skills, including personal care, interpersonal skills, and grooming. For more information, please go to www.capturedcs.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion. let 's dive into the app Turn Signal. Can you give us an overview of what the app is and whether it's met any resistance, whether it's political, police etc, in the states where it's been adopted? Yeah, so turn signal is an app that anyone can have on their phone
1: uh, and with a simple voice command or with the press of a button. Uh, When you're pulled over, it instantly starts recording the interaction with your front-facing camera as if you're taking a selfie video, right? And at the same time, it video calls an attorney to be on the phone with you, just like a Zoom call. They're right there on the phone with you 24-7, 365. Our turnaround time is around 35 seconds. There's an attorney on that phone talking to you about your interaction before the officer's at your window. Uh, Our goal is simple, and it's three-pronged. It's to protect driver's rights secondly, to de-escalate these roadside interactions. And third, and most importantly, is to make sure that everyone returns home safely. And when I say everyone, I don't mean every driver. I mean everyone in that interaction. Because when we go and talk to law enforcement, uh, we, we met with over 20 police officers before we even built the product, starting with chiefs of police all the way down to boots on the ground officers like Nate and St. Paul, where I was saying, hey, listen, this is the product we're going to build. We're going to build it. And it's going to be in, in play. How can I make it better for you? When you see a turn signal bumper sticker on the back of the vehicle are you actually going to feel safer approaching this car than you do in any other interaction which would then turn to the beginning of a de-escalated interaction from the jump and they gave feedback we heard all of that then we turned to the attorneys and we had similar conversations a lot of them said, well, you know, this is going to be new for people and they might not know what to do. OK, great. We met up with a third party organization that trained every single attorney on our platform in de-escalation. Right. We had to send them all through that training before as a long list of things they do before they can answer calls. That was the building blocks, what we were doing. And so we haven't met any resistance thus far. In fact, I've now talked to dozens and dozens of police officers from across the country. I met with the, the president of the Black Police Chiefs Association all like saying, hey, this is great. I hope this is a solution that's going to work. Uh, no rea- negative reaction thus far. We have about 48 calls per month on turn signal. And we are yet, we go and interview the, the driver and the attorney to whatever extent they want to be interviewed after. And we have even yet to have someone say, they forced me off of my phone. They forced the attorney to go away. We, we've planned for it. We plan for that future where it could happen, but it hasn't even happened thus far. And we've been live since May, of 2021. So turn signals available in eight states right now, Minnesota, Georgia, Florida, California, Illinois, Indiana, Tennessee, and Washington state. And we'll be live in all 50 states by the end of 2023. In fact, it'll be a lot sooner. We're hoping our our stretch goal is is Q2 of 2023. So that's what we're doing right now. and We just can't wait to ensure the solution is in the hand of everyone who needs it.
0: That is awesome man. 50 states by next year. That, yeah. That's awesome. We applaud you for the amazing work that you've started and the success that you've sustained thus far. Thank you. Another question I have is can this service be seen as redundant if police officers wear body cameras?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the the frustrating things especially with myself as an attorney you see is we're reviewing the footage and we'll we'll like we'll release it at a time. Uh, after the the review is done right and everyone's sitting there like well can i i, I filed a FOIA request a freedom of information act, uh, act request uh can i tell oh, there's an investigation who knows how long it's going to go on this uh, can be uh, add time to the timeline so people simmer down or maybe forget about the incident we need to see that video right away on turn signal there's only one person in the entire world that has access to that video and it's the driver We at TurnSignal cannot view that video. The attorney cannot view that video. No one else has access except for that driver. If their phone is lost, damaged, broken, stolen, dropped in water, or broken in half, any of it, it streams to the cloud simultaneously, and that video is always available to them. They can log in from any device. Just like you can log in on Netflix on any account with with your one account, you can log in to your TurnSignal account and get that video on whatever device you want to log in on. Uh, We want to make it available to that driver right when they need it. And you know what else uh, police body cams don't offer? An attorney that can help you understand that interaction. Um, We don't have it, right? Um, I was a public defender when I was in law school, and before we'd go out in front of the judge and I'd argue their bail or or arraignment hearing, I'd say, hey, listen, the judge is gonna say that you were drunk on First Avenue and threw a fire extinguisher through a window. What I need you not to do is throw up your arms or roll your eyes or, or get frustrated, know that I'm here for you in this moment, and I can help you. And that's exactly what these attorneys are able to do with these drivers and help them help them understand their rights that they have uh, that they might not be aware of in that moment.
0: Thanks for that distinction, because it is a very clear distinction, and and I appreciate that answer. Mm -hmm. When we think and talk about equity, we also have to think about business ownership. And at the Heart of Equity podcast, we really want to highlight Black owned businesses to give our audience an opportunity to invest in our businesses. And we know that there are very few tech solutions that are developed to support Black communities, let alone have Black founders. How did that play a role in Turn Signals development? or were there any challenges you faced as a black developer?
1: You know, I think
0: that as
1: black men founding an organization, unfortunately, sometimes we had to lead with credentials in a way that maybe other people didn't have to, right? Uh, The intro on, on a lot of these conversations is, Dre's an MBA with a finance under, with an accounting undergrad degree. Mike is an MBA with a marketing undergrad degree. Jazz is a lawyer with a computer science undergrad degree. And we have to lead with those facts to kind of get us on the same, uh, Oh, like, oh, okay, this isn't just uh, three black guys from Minneapolis who started an app in their spare time, right? Which is unfortunate. Uh, but once we get over those hurdles and they learn about our backgrounds and how we were actually put in this position to do just this, I think that got us over a lot of those hurdles. And now we're seeing even opportunities because of this. We just got accepted into Google's Black Founders Accelerator program, right? A great opportunity to be working with a giant organization to do just that. And now this is like my favorite part of this job or one of my favorite parts is I screenshot and will bring into every meeting that I have with businesses that want to partner with us. I screenshot that June 1st, 2020 post that they made all of them with the black square on Instagram and all of the words I bring it into every meeting and I do it and I say and I, it's in a non-confrontational way I actually say you know what I love this <laughs> like, I'm so happy that you guys see this need and you want to work with black businesses and you want to solve this problem and you want to be a part of the solution boy do I have a, a great piece of information for you it's called turn Simple right? And now we have the same goal. There's no, I get to skip the convincing slides, right? I don't have to do it. You all told me that you see the need and I want to help you fulfill this. need. And I saw the need as well. Let's partner to do just that. Uh, so whether it was fundraising that we've done previously or partnering with businesses, we've seen it go well because anyone who denies the need isn't going to be our customer anyways, right? And so we're, we're finding
0: the people who know that there's a need and want to be
1: a part of that
0: solution. just. Get straight to the chase. June 1st, 2020, that is, gonna, <laughs> that is going to work. That's accountability in action. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm sure many of our listeners have some wonderful solution they love to develop that resonates with their passion for health equity. What are the top three pieces of advice you'd give for those who want to branch off and create a solution to address inequities?
1: the first thing that branching off is real to me. The first thing I, as an analogy I always use is like, get the boat close enough to the dock before you jump. Uh, we were working on turn signal for several months before we quit our jobs. Uh, get that boat close enough to the dock where you can jump and feel safe about landing on it and not getting you know doused in water, right? That's your time to learn about your solution. Make sure that you have a minimum viable product that can be really sound in the market. Make sure that you understand how it's gonna fit in the market and what you're gonna do. And that leads to the second point. And the second one is, Understand your customer. At turn signal. We offer turn signal to companies as a benefit to all their employees. We say, hey, uh, you have new DEI solutions, right? Uh, you're worried with employee retention during the Great Resignation. Most importantly, you're worrying about the health and safety of your individuals. You already give them health and dental insurance, sometimes pet insurance. I got a great thing for you. How about you also give them turn signal so they can feel safe driving to or from work or their kids to a basketball tournament on the weekend, right? And we do that. Because we took the time to understand the market. We met with the DEI directors. We met with the the CHROs. We met with those folks who were saying, these are our needs. And we understood that we could fit one of those needs. And the last one is chase your passion. I have been in this job now for almost two years. uh, And I work twice as many hours as I used to as a lawyer. And that was a lot of hours before. I love the work I'm doing. I could do it all day, every day, if it weren't for the time I like spending with my wife and my three kids that are five and under. Uh, But I love to chase the passion. I love what I'm doing. I love waking up and checking my email. And and this is a right hand, right hand up. I go to bed every Sunday looking forward to Monday morning. I love going to work. Chase your passion because you can have that too. And then it's cliche. It
0: doesn't sound like it doesn't feel like you're going to work. No, you're going to work, but you enjoy it. I love that advice. Jazz Hampton, founder, CEO, and general counsel for Turn Signal. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. We appreciate all the insight and we wish you all the best.
1: I appreciate this podcast and I appreciate you also. Thanks for having
0: me. If you're a healthcare executive in Minnesota, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Iowa, Kansas, or Missouri who cares about health equity for people of color, please consider joining the National Association of Health Services Executives Heartland Chapter at nasiheartland.org. That is n-a-h-s-e heartland.org. For more episodes of the Heart of Equity podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcatcher. And while you're there, please leave us a comment. Thank you for listening.